Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the College Gridiron Podcast. Today is Wednesday, November 14th. Matt Costantini back with you. Unfortunately, there's no Jimmy Sullivan today, but we got Jackson Heil back behind the board. The flat tire man, Jimmy Sullivan. Yeah, it's unfortunate. He blew a tire on his way over. And just a week after making his production debut for the podcast, Nick DeLuga is making his on-air debut. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate you guys having me. I'm, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited. Yeah, we're, we're ready. And Unfortunately, you got a crappy week at college football to talk about. It is about. what it is. <laughs> yeah, last week, um, not much changed, as was reflected in the college football playoff rankings that were released last night. Absolutely no change in the top ten, the biggest movers. Uh, you saw Penn State rise up to number 14. They they went up six spots. Iowa State moved up six spots to number 16. Uh, Syracuse just keeps moving up to number 12. Uh, UCF making their comeback, in, at least attempting to make their comeback. They moved up to number 11, moving up from 12 last week. But uh, before we get into this week's games, and we you know how we usually recap last week's games there wasn't much to talk about no Alabama smacked Mississippi State Clemson smacked BC Georgia smacked Auburn it's kind of a shame I, I was hoping that Clemson BCU game would be a yeah, little better yeah me too uh what, what, I didn't even know the the quarterback getting hurt for BC really, yeah really yeah. killed the momentum that game and Dylan Tate did nothing the entire no. game which is yeah. a bit disappointing but uh AJ Dillon Dylan AJ Dillon yeah, AJ I'm Dillon of, I, I'm I'm all over the place <laughs> right now I really am it's I all thought good. Steve Adasio's a... pregame speech was fantastic though yeah I don't know if you saw that I mean it was it was pretty fired it up. was good until the game started <laughs> that's how it usually goes that's Clemson, usually right? how it goes for most teams that play Clemson unfortunately but kudos to him for that so They're ready to play so what is unfortunate is that. Ohio State is in the news again this week for less than stellar reasons. Um, Shocker. Yeah, exactly. Urban Meyer doing something wrong. <laughs> a Another Brett McMurphy story has come out. As everyone knows, he's the one who, who leaked the story about Zach Smith and his domestic violence issues and all that that led to his firing. And this week he has come out with a story reporting that the same man, Zach Smith, Got into a verbal altercation with Trevon, Trevin, Trayvon Smith. It's one, one of those. The, one of the two. One of those. We're not sure. Um, got into an altercation with this young man who has since transferred to the University of Florida. And McMurphy alleges that Zach Smith used a racial slur against him. And that was corroborated by uh, Smith's dad who was told by Smith that this happened, and the story has come out. Uh, Ohio State denies it. Urban Meyer denies it. A lot of the players deny it. Um, but, Nick, I'll go to you first. Does this not just seem like the kind of thing that not only Zach Smith would do, but would happen at Ohio State this year or last year as it happened? Unfortunately, yes. And that's the problem with the whole thing. And it's really surprising to me that, Urban Meyer continues to let Zach Smith, because I, I'll say it this way, I, I don't think that Urban Meyer is necessarily 100% responsible for what Zach Smith does or what, what Not at all. went on there, but you have to, you at the same time are responsible because you hired him. And for me, my biggest issue is I'm Urban Meyer, you're, you know, you're Urban Meyer, you have your dream job this is Ohio State you came out of retirement to to come here and to do this and this is the job that you want aren't you going to do everything in your power to keep it 
So if some stupid assistant is going to do things like this, is going to conduct himself in the way that he has and, and is clearly shown to do things that are, are detrimental to not only the program but the team and everything else now with this coming out, I just don't understand why he continued to keep his job if he was going to behave this way. It doesn't make a lot of sense because this is the stuff that gets people fired. Urban Meyer, is it worth losing your dream job to keep Zach Smith on your staff? I don't think the answer to that is yes. I'm I'm right with you, Nick. I, I don't get why he wasn't fired in the first place right when this new story came out originally because, I mean, I think it was pretty clear that Smith was guilty of whatever he did. And, Absolutely. And, and, and even if, what, what's the point of keeping him on staff if it's just going to create more waves? Like you said, there's no reason to get yourself in more hot water. You already got yourself suspended for three games. Like you said, Nick, why put yourself in a position where you might be costing yourself your job at this point? Because... Honestly, I mean, if there's another strike on Smith, I don't know how Urban Meyer isn't going with him. I mean, yes, as long as they continue to win football games, that probably won't matter as much to Meyer because that's really what Ohio State seems to care about because if they had any morals, Meyer would have been fired already. But at the same time, I mean, at some point, the straw's got to come down at at some point, and it doesn't look like this will be the thing that gets Meyer costed his job, but... Listen, if if this isn't it, then it's probably going to be the next strike. He maybe only has one more strike, and I don't get why. I sh- you should have fired him in the first place. If he's not gone at this point, then I, I-, I don't know what you're doing here. It-, it makes no sense if I'm Urban Meyer. Yeah, so just to be clear, Smith was fired after the domestic violence issue, and that happened in the beginning of the season. But since this is still coming out about him, it does reflect poorly on Urban Meyer's initial decision-making. And it questions whether he is in control of his own program. But this is where the story kind of gets murky, because you have McMurphy, who had the legit story about Smith and his domestic violence issue, coming out with this, and we have no reason not to believe him, but we have a whole lot of players and staff coming out and being very vehement in their denial of this ever happened. Um, Ohio State wide receiver Johnny Dixon went to Twitter and said, you think a group of African-American young men will sit there and let something like this happen? Say what you want, but this isn't at all true. And I want to be careful with this when when I'm touching on this subject, but unfortunately, I kind of do just expect the players to just sit there and let it happen because they're all on scholarship and they don't want to do anything that could impact their their playing career, their academic career, and things like that. So while it's all good sentiment to say, as a group of players, we wouldn't just sit there and take that, unfortunately, I think that's the, the situation that they would find themselves in. I think it's a sticky situation. I agree with you. I don't think that you want to sit there and say, oh, yes, I'm going to go try and go at Zach Smith if he says something, because it is a dangerous situation. Do I really want to go confront a coach that is on the coaching staff and that apparently urban meyer thinks very very highly of and you know pick a fight with him in that sense so i i agree that it's probably not the best idea or something that you really want to do if you're a player in that situation but i just think at the end of the day it goes back to it reflects very poorly on urban meyer because no matter whether he was the one doing this or not he is responsible for it If you are a coach and your specialty is defense, if your offensive coordinator can't 
produce a unit that will score, it's still your fault. It's still your team that's losing. And in the same way, if you have a coach who's going to treat people this way and do things like this, it's still your fault, Urban Meyer, and he should have been gone a while ago. I don't understand what makes Zach Smith such a great coach, so irreplaceable that you couldn't get rid of him and that he needed to stick around. But here you are, and Urban Meyer, maybe you're going to stay, maybe you won't, but you're you're really risking your dream job for somebody who really doesn't deserve it. And Jackson, Urban Meyer's come out and said that the university is contemplating legal action against McMurphy. Oh, my Lord. They're saying that... He's a reporter. He's doing his job. Yeah, their stance is that the university told McMurphy that they found no evidence to support these allegations. Uh, Reporting in this manner is irresponsible, inflammatory, and a severe invasion of privacy of a student-athlete and his family, as well as a baseless attack on Coach Meyer. Oh, my God. What a joke. To me... The guy came out with the damning story that got your coach fired, got you suspended by the university investigation, which we're not going to get into because we've talked about that at length on the show about how that was a joke in itself that the university self-investigated. But I don't think any attack on the team, the university, or on Urban Meyer at this point is baseless or unfounded. Yeah, that, that, I mean, I think you can't say anything to McMurphy or file any sort of grievance or lawsuit against him because, I mean, listen, McMurphy had the initial claim, which clearly was true. That, that, that's that's it. That That's the starting point right there. And basically, I listen, I'm not sure if this is true or not. I would assume it's true based on what everything we've heard about this Smith guy. And I think Nick made a great point. What makes this guy so irreplaceable? He, he's done, what, nothing really to really conserve his job security. He won the he won the very first college football playoff. That's it. But no one care no one cares about that. Come on. I mean that was what was that 5 years ago? Seems like at it. this point th- th- there's no reason that Smith should be even asso- associated whatsoever with Ohio State. I know he was fired originally. I, I may have made that confusion originally, but there should be no news whatsoever about this guy anymore, and Meyer shouldn't even be talking about him at this point, or even making a defense for this guy because one, he almost cost you your job. Like, what's the point of getting even involved with this guy when he's not even with the university anymore? It makes no sense whatsoever. He's not Bill Belichick, so yeah. if he was Bill Belichick, I suppose, and it's the way the world works in some respects. Guys get second chances because they're very good at what they do and unfortunately for one for better or for worse that's the way it goes right Joe Mixon got in a lot of hot water for what he did at Oklahoma and that is inexcusable but the Cincinnati Bengals for better or for worse said he's good enough to play in the NFL and we're gonna tolerate or deal with what he's done and the way his past what what's gone on in his past I just don't understand what Zach Smith's coaching of wide receivers offers that maybe somebody else can't, um, and, and if he's going to treat people this way and act this way, again, for Urban Meyer to risk his dream job on this guy, I'll, I don't get it. I'll pose a question, and I'll let I, whoever wants to take it first just run with it. What has this season done to Urban Meyer's legacy as a college football coach? I feel like in the end it's not going to affect it all that much, unfortunately. I think it should. But, again, at the same time, what has he still won? Three national cha- two, two yeah, three national championships two, now? Two, two at Florida, Florida one, one at Ohio three, one State. State. Mm-hmm. So I think that will speak for itself, unfortunately. I will say one thing. He's had so many incidents now with 
play not only players at Florida with Darren Hernandez, Cam Newton, stuff like that when he was there, but now with coaches as well that I think to some extent it will smear it a little bit. I don't think it'll completely overhaul his his resume. I think he is he's definitely a Hall of Famer at this point. And I don't think anything he can do really now would change that unless we get, like, I mean, really serious allegations against him specifically, which the domestic violence stuff should be. But unfortunately, that's not big enough to, I would say, the public perception that it would completely erase what he's done at Florida. That's bad judgment, but that's not him. Yes, exactly. It's not entirely something that he did so maliciously, even though you could argue he's just as guilty for ignoring what happened. But. Well, I think, Nick, you were getting at it per- perfectly. I think it would take something that he did maliciously in terms mm-hmm. of like a domestic violence on him, which I don't see happening. I don't think he's that malicious of a person. But at the same time, I think this will do a little smear job, so to speak, on his re- his career as a whole. But, again, n- not a complete overhaul of what he's done. It's a far cry from Florida when he coached Tim Tebow. Yeah, you can say that again. Uh, it's, it's Wow. But, yeah. Well, let's you know. think about this. If he doesn't have Tim Tebow at Florida, let, let, let's say – even if, let's say, Camp Prime Cam Newton was the guy at Florida instead of Tim Tebow, and with all the legal stuff that he had troubles oh. with, and he was at the center of the spotlight instead of the God figure in Tim Tebow, I would wonder really what his legacy would look like then if Newton was the one that had won two national championships as opposed to Tebow, because I feel like if that was the case, it would have been a very different story. But because Tebow is such a God figure, like I said, I, I think that kind of takes away from some of the stuff that allowed Meyer to have his like own transgressions slid under the rug, so to speak. That's a really good point. I, I never really thought of it that way, as as Tim Tebow was kind of the... Uh, he kind of he kind of masked a lot of yeah, issues he, that Yeah, he was Meyer the veil at, at Florida mm-hmm. for everybody, basically. Yeah. He was the guy that was emotional on the sidelines, crying in the locker room, getting his team mm-hmm. to come back and fight. That's, a, that's an interesting question, Jackson. But um, let's move on to some fun stuff, because I want to talk about fun stuff now. Yay. And this weekend is kind of the cupcake week for a lot of teams. Alabama's playing that formidable team of the Citadel, <laughs> which might put a little damper on their, on their playoff hope. Just kidding, obviously. But there are some very important games this weekend that could impact how the playoff shakes out. And the first and foremost, the very top game on my list at least are Syracuse versus Notre Dame at Yankee Stadium very very interesting game when this game was penciled in prior to the season I don't think anyone thought it was going to be even relatively close but Syracuse has done very good work this year they're eight and two they're the 12th ranked team in the nation and I know that uh, the spread on this game is not very favorable. It's 10.5 to Notre Dame, over under 65 points. Um, Ian Book was out last week with a rib injury. All projections are that he will be playing this week. Um, Brandon Wimbush didn't look bad last week, but he didn't look great. Uh, What are we expecting out of this game, guys? Personally, I'm expecting a blowout in favor of Notre Dame. Uh, Even with Book healthy, I just... Listen, Cuse has played so well at home this year, and... They haven't really proven to me that they can win big games on the road. And I know this isn't as much of a road game because, listen, they are playing in New York. And even though there will be a probably relatively large Irish faithful there, it's probably going to be a majority Cuse crowd, I would expect. But at the same time, I, I love Notre Dame's defense. I, I really do. And I, I think Ian Book, even if, he's hel- even if he's healthy enough to play, he's still not going to be 100%, I don't think. 
And I, I think that in itself will let and cause a lot of trouble for Syracuse offensively. And I also think that Notre Dame on the offensive side of the ball will be able to run them to death if they want. And I don't think Hughes has enough manpower to stand up to that. I think Syracuse, the only chance that Syracuse has is if Wimbush plays. If Ian Book plays, I don't think that Syracuse can pull off this upset. I think that Notre Dame should win pretty easily, actually. I, I really respect what Dino Babers has going down has, has going on down there in Syracuse. I think they, they're an up-and-coming program and have really done a great job the last few years. And, and they have a relatively young team in a lot of areas, especially on defense, not so much on offense. Eric Dungy, obviously a, a senior. But, look, I, I think Notre Dame is, is really – good enough to beat Syracuse for sure they're a good team not necessarily my pick to win the college football playoff but that that's doesn't mean you can't beat Syracuse at Yankee Stadium they should mm-hmm. be all right this week yeah I think that's a big thing I think if really if book is healthy or not mm-hmm. I think Notre Dame has enough offensively especially in their run game to cause enough trouble for on defense for Syracuse and like you said Winbush looked fine last week I, I thought he was I think given what you saw in the sample size for him it's enough to make me to believe that Syracuse doesn't have enough to stop them and put up enough points to counteract, especially with that Notre Dame defense. So I think regardless of who plays, I, I think Notre Dame's going to win. I think obviously, like you said, it gives Cuse a better chance if Book is out. But at the same time, I mean, listen, I, you just got to hope for an interesting game being with everything that's going on with Cuse this year at Yankee Stadium, hopefully cause some trouble for Notre Dame in the college football playoff and just create even more havoc because there's like three or four teams outside the top four that can make her push, but hey, I mean, Cuse, uh, not Cuse, uh, Notre Dame's got some tough games coming up these last three weeks. I know USC's had a down year, but they're always a tough test, and I've, as I mentioned, Cuse, I forget who else they're playing. There's one other team that pretty saw, I, I, I'm forgetting who it is. They, they actually end the year with Syracuse, and then the game at USC. I, oh, so it is just those yeah. two. Okay, so, yeah, so they got two tough games down the stretch, but again, I, I don't think I don't think Notre Dame's going to seed either of those, so, regardless of Book's health. If we're looking back to last week, which we probably should to see what could be happening this week, they played the team from Tallahassee that's, last that's week. That's what I was about to say. Yeah. You know, you're talking about Wimbush being a competent quarterback. Yeah. And look, okay, but team from I Tallahassee mean, is pretty bad. I mean, he is only 130 yards passing, three touchdowns, two picks. That's not great. But when you look at what they did on the ground, Dexter Williams had. 202 rushing yards with two touchdowns, and I think that is where the difference is going to be, because if you look at how Syracuse defends against the run, they're they're not great, because I don't think that they have the defense to really stick it to Notre Dame and really give them enough problems, because like we're saying, if... If Book does play, which I believe he will, and there's really no reason to think he won't, um, the the offense is going to be back to that dynamic look that they had prior to him being out last week. Because I know that we, we've talked about it a lot on this show. When Wimbush was playing in the early season, the offense looked anemic. They didn't really look like they could move the ball that well. They were having problems scoring. And then as soon as they made that switch to Book, the offense just took off. And... It's a compl- it's a compliment to him, but it's also a compliment to the run game because they're averaging almost 200 yards rushing a game compared to 254 yards passing per game. So this run game is really the key to Notre Dame's offense. 
Well, I think it's a combination of things. I think it all works hand in hand. I think the problem that Winbush has had and that defenses have been able to defend is that he's I don't want to compare him to Tim Tebow. I don't want to say he can't throw, but he's not the best thrower of the football. Let's let's all be candid about that. So it allows teams to stack the box and focus on the run game. When Ian Book comes in, a guy who's a much better passer of the football, it spreads defenses out. You can't just stack the box, say eight guys go, because he's going to tear you apart. So I think it works hand in hand, and I think that's really what's allowed Notre Dame's running game to get going the last few weeks. And as we were talking about, I don't think Syracuse can stop Book and that running game if Winbush is in there. Again, not a ton of reason to think so, but then they'd have an opportunity because they'd be able to stack the box without giving up too much in the secondary, whereas if they put eight in the box against Ian Book, it's it's not going to be pretty this, this weekend. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a good point. But at the same time, I, like you said, I, I know – that Cuse will stack the box, but at the same time, I mean, I know Winnenbush can't really throw the ball all that well, but that'll just that'll still open up so many options because they're really gonna have to stack the box if they want to stop Notre Dame's running game because yeah. it, it's as dynamic as it gets in the entire country. So that'll open up man coverage all over the field for Notre Dame, and they have they have the talent at wide receiver to take advantage of that. And I I know the quarterback position wouldn't be a strength, but again, if Book plays that it just changes everything no matter how healthy he is and I don't think this game will be even close if he's healthy enough to play because he, he can just open up the field so well. He can use the sidelines, he can use the middle of the field and then counter that with the elite running game that they have and Cuse is going to have a ton of problems. Winbush's last start came against before the team from Tallahassee came came against Vanderbilt, and he managed to make that game close. So yeah, don't under uh, don't it's underestimate true. Brandon Wimbush's ability yeah. to make a game close when it shouldn't be. I, I just yeah. throwing it out there, but I don't yeah. expect him to play. So let's move into the the eight o'clock game, the the game day game, the game day crew or they are taking their lives into their own hands, going to Orlando to visit the University of Central Florida. How interesting. I'm sure Danny White will have cupcakes waiting for them <laughs> as they get off the bus or wh- however they get there. I don't know. If yeah, they I mean, don't, they, they, s- don't take a bus, they say right? they take a bus, but there's no way Kirk Herbstreet taking a bus from game day to wherever. He's... I don't know that that's good for Lee Corso. No, his age it's either, not. So it's really not. However and, they get there. And before but... we get into this game, I just want to talk about Kirk Herbstreet. The, is he the hardest working man in the business? Because he'll go from being in at Washington State to go do the dude, Clemson game. Dude, he was at he was at Duke Kentucky basketball the other night yeah. doing doing the college football preview show before adding to BC this weekend. The guys all over the place. Yeah. I mean, you got to love it. I I I really like Kirk Hershey. I appreciate what he brings to the table. I mean, that that broadcast tandem I really like. Yeah, who, yes. who, who's the guy again? Chris Fowler. Fowler. Chris, Chris Fowler, Fowler. Yeah. 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 So, I and I also think Chris Fowler's gotten a lot better as a broadcaster. He's done a really good job and his call of the championship game last year was awesome. If there's one thing ESPN does right, it is their is their college crews. Yep, I their football and basketball. Yeah, football both. and basketball. They do a, they have very good people working. I love uh, this isn't the place or time, but I love Jay Billis. I love Jay Williams. I I was just Jay yeah. Jay Billis is one of my favorite guys yeah. in the business and Jay Williams also and I, I love Kirk Herbstreit too, yeah. and obviously, obviously lose the man. So yeah, like he, Lee, <laughs> Lee Corso is just insane. Yeah. He has a special place in my heart. But let's get to this Cincinnati UCF game. Cincinnati's ranked at number twenty-four this week. They're nine and one, five and one in the conference. Uh, going into the now, what's seeming 
going to be the the two year undefeated streak of UCF. Um, but this game has really huge implications. If Cincinnati is somehow able to beat UCF at home, not only will they d- beat UCF, which has been impossible lately, but they would move. I believe they would move into first place of the of their bracket of the AAC standings, and they would book their ticket to the American Athletic Conference Championship game. And wow. Yeah, exactly, wow. right? Yeah. And, I mean, they would presumably go and beat SMU or Houston or whoever somehow makes it out of the other side because that's just a train wreck on the other side. But this is – I was not expecting to care about this game until Cincinnati was ranked and until I saw the implications that it had not only for their conference championship game but for UCF's playoff chances. UCF ain't making the playoff. Well, I mean, we all know they're not making the playoff because... So why even ask the question? Because if chaos happens, if mayhem happens in front of them, I think they have a chance. For what? To get beaten by Alabama by 200? <laughs> like, what's... It would I, be, it w- I mean, like, it obviously would be... All right, cool fine. It'd be UCF 150. What, whatever. But, and it would be... It, it would kind of finally shut everyone up about, about them being the real national champions, but... That's still a conversation? I mean, for them it is. Yeah. For them it I is. I guess for them it is. Because it's irrelevant. Last year, I was totally fine with them not getting not getting love in the playoff rankings, but this year it might be a little different. I mean, the fact that they that they lost ground from the AP poll in the first CFP poll. I mean, they dropped two spots for almost no reason, and now there are still only eleven. I mean. Ahead, they're they're undefeated and they're behind. Literally, everyone in front of them has one loss except Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame. Do, do you think this there will go into game day as much not for the game but more just to get out of this crappy weather and stay out of somewhere <laughs> up east? Because honestly, I feel like a great spot would be going in Manhattan again. Oh like yeah, they did last year and do this for for Cuse and Notre Dame. Yeah. It would be seems like obviously the better game, but I think this is more just about getting down south, getting to Florida, get eighty degree weather. I think it, I think it's I think also, that's more about that than anything. I th- <laughs> uh, well, that you you're probably right with that. I think it also has something to do with them getting called out by Danny White earlier this year and True. kind of just being like, "Hey, we're recognizing you guys. You're real to us." <laughs> Congratulations! I <laughs> look, they're they're good for them. You, you can't you you play who's on your schedule and you beat them. So that's that's part of it, but. We were, having we, this conversa- we were having this conversation before we even got on the air. It's the differentiation um, between what you've earned and you know what what your record says, and, and then the the potential for what a game would look like. And I, I, maybe UCF has earned it in theory because they're undefeated and they've won every game that they've played. But I just hypothetically UCF playing. Even some of the teams that are, are on the outside looking in as far as UCF playing Oklahoma, UCF playing Georgia, Georgia, right, LSU. I, what? How, how, how would, on earth would they win those games, right? So You've got to schedule those games. So that, that, that's the thing. You have to schedule those games if they want any chance. You can't, you can't keep talking about how you're the best team in the country and don't put anyone tough on your schedule. Like. It's it's their own fault half the time. It's ridiculous. If they want to be respected, and I know that we've talked about this too when when we first talked about UCF this year, they got to get out of their conference that they're in. They got to go play in an, in a real conference. 
they got to start scheduling better opponents, and then they might start getting respect. And sure, they might be bad for a little bit on the fact that they'll play better teams and that they're not used to that. But they might go out and surprise. They might be as good as, as they and, think they are. And Yeah, that's what I'm saying. you got to take the chance at some point because if you want to keep talking like you're the best team in the country, you should also believe that you can beat teams like Alabama and Clemson. And even if you don't get to schedule Alabama and Clemson, schedule a game against Georgia or Michigan or something. you got to schedule at least one, probably even two of those games to even be in consideration. But just to kind of go off what you were saying before about how they may have a shot if there's chaos, let's be real here. Bama's not losing the game, so that's not going to happen. A one-loss Clemson team, even if that's it, that's if they lose a game, is better. A one-loss Notre Dame team is better. And I would even take a two-loss Michigan team over an undefeated UCF at this point. Hmm. And that that's if te- that's what, with one, two, three, four, five, six, that's with seven other teams in between the top four teams right now. And that's, I think I would take, even if Notre Dame loses to Cuse or USC, I would take, I would take them over UCF at this point, I mean... You got to play someone, and yeah, you ha- they haven't proven they can really beat any one of these elite conf- top Big Five conference teams. So it- it- it's really a battle for them of just scheduling these big games. That-, that that that's what it comes down to for UCF. I sympathize with them too because I don't think it's as easy as you guys make it. I think that for a lot of these big teams, these big time teams and big time schools, I, I don't think they want to play UCF, and I don't think it's because they think they're going to lose necessarily, but. As you can see, the committee, with them even being undefeated, does not value how good they are. They're not that good, apparently, because they're undefeated. They've beaten everybody in front of them, everyone on their schedule, and yet they continue to be 12. And there are a bunch of teams with one loss, two loss ahead of them, and the the committee just does not value UCF. So if I'm Georgia, why am I am I going to move up in the rankings because I scheduled UCF because I beat them by 40? No way, because the the committee doesn't care about UCF. They don't value them. So to me, there's no point. And then if you lose, you're done, because there's no way. Again, the committee does not value UCF one way or the other. So they would, I think they would have to schedule multiple games. The message is teams. you have to move conferences. I think to to make sure that those games happen, because if I'm Georgia, where there's no they, way. Where would they go? Like the AC, I think like the ACC would be I think, perfect. Fit I for think them. the ACC would be the only place they could go. But guys, unfortunately, that is all the time we have for this week. Jackson Heil, great job on the board. Thank you as always. Nick DeLuca, great job for a show. Thank you. Bringing a lot of energy, bringing a lot of good stuff. I'm Matt Costantini for the College Gridiron Podcast. Come back next week.